0: The new Super Beats Hard Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.
1: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
0: Good boys and girls, welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. Today is Friday the 24th of September. We're brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network will allow you to go online, change your location and access anything you happen to be geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe, which is the most important thing in these day and ages. LibertyShield.com, use the code EPL VPN. You get 20% off at checkout. There is a free 48-hour trial. You can try before you buy. If you don't like it, just cancel. LibertyShield.com, folks. It's the place to be. You can also check out some really good blogs there as well while you're at it. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And lastly, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you will find on Etsy. Right, folks. It is Friday, which means I'm joined by the one and the only, Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir?
1: I'm good. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm outstanding, Guy. Outstanding. Um Things are going well in my world. Good, good. We mm-hmm. have 10 games, and I think genuinely this is a really good lineup of games this weekend. We've got two of the the three favorites for the title. We've got Leeds West Ham, which I think will be a belter. We've got the North London Derby, which for me, regardless of where these two teams are, is always a glamour tie. And I always look forward to a North London Derby. So I am excited for this weekend. And we have... On Monday night, first of all, Monday night football, great. But Palace versus Brighton, which is another really good rivalry, one of the overlooked rivalries in the Premier League. So I am excited for this round of games.
1: Yeah, it certainly it certainly looks great on paper, and I mean, the first game of the weekend is probably the biggest: the Chelsea Man City. Um, Thomas Tuchel, can he? Is it four? Would this be four wins in a row over Pep Guardiola if he gets it? it, it it's Plenty of stories, and as you say, these are probably the two favourites with Liverpool for the title.
0: Yes, Tuchel has beaten Pep three times in a row once in the league, once in an FA Cup semi final, and then obviously in the Champions League final as well. He has had Pep's number to an extent. Now, a lot of that Champions League final was down to Pep kind of overthinking things and getting a little bit too creative with his lineup, deciding not to play a holding midfielder was just. Suicidal on the night Going into this game City have had a little bit of an uneven start They obviously lost to Spurs They walloped Arsenal, walloped Norwich Got past Leicester Weren't brilliant on the day And then were dreadful against Southampton They're going to be without Mendy Obviously, Stones and Laporte Both out Rodri is a doubt Zinchenko is a doubt And Gundogan is a doubt So Whatever way you look at that, they're missing their first-choice left-back because it would be one of Mendy or Zinchenko. They're missing their first-choice holding midfielder in Rodri. Their first-choice centre-back has been Laporte this season next to Diaz. Obviously, last season, it was Stones next to Diaz. So you're missing two of your three main centre-backs. And then Gundogan was their best player last season and arguably the best player in the league. And he's going to miss out likely, in, in all likelihood as well. Or if he is back, he won't be 100% fit. So some concerns for City early on. Chelsea, Pulisic is out. You don't imagine he would have started anyway because Tuchel seems to prefer Havertz and Mount behind Lukaku, even though it doesn't really work all that well. And then he prefers Werner as sort of his first option off the bench. Edward Mendy is out. He has the the hip injury, so Kepa will play in goal. Which last season you would have had big concerns about, but this season he's actually playing well. To his credit, he is showing that he is a really good goalkeeper. It it seems to be a psychological thing, and if if Tuchel can, if Thomas Tuchel can rehabilitate Kepa and turn him back into the goalkeeper he was at Bilbao, Chelsea will probably give him another extension because he will have saved them massive amounts of money because they spent 70 plus million on Kepa. It's been a pretty much a disaster ever since he refused to come off in that cup final, I believe against city. And, um, if they can turn him around and get him back to being good enough to be first choice, they'll have him and Mendy competing. that will be a strong position. So you'd have to give the advantage to Chelsea in terms of who's available and who's not psychologically. They'll have the advantage of having beaten city three times They're at home. It's that early kickoff, and City have obviously travelled down from Manchester, or will travel down from Manchester today. So I am going to go home win. I'm going to go 2-1 to Chelsea. That Chelsea backline is so impressive to me. I think City will find it very, very difficult to break them down. Jack Grealish has not played well for City since joining. He had a couple of half-decent games, uh, one good game, and two absolute stinkers. So, I, I'll i go 2-1 to Chelsea.
1: I know it's really early in the season, but that would be six points behind Chelsea for City, and they have to play Liverpool next weekend.
0: Yes, and Liverpool play, obviously, Brentford this weekend. Chelsea play Brentford next weekend. If City were to lose both, and remember, they have PSG in the Champions League in midweek, Ooh. so it's not like they have an easy game in the Champions League. If they lose both, you would assume Liverpool and Chelsea will both beat Brentford. They'll be tough games, but you would assume they'd both beat Brentford. City would then find themselves nine points behind this early in the season. Now, the plus is it's early in the season. The negative is it's very hard to see where Liverpool or Chelsea will drop those nine points. They'll drop points here and there, but City will have to capitalise each and every time. And City will have literally no room for error moving forward. We could see over the next two weekends what we all believe is a three-horse race, City, Chelsea, Liverpool, turn into a two-horse race of Chelsea and Liverpool and the defending league champions be on the outside looking in. Now, if there's any team capable of stringing together 10 or 12 wins in a row, it is Manchester City. But whether they have the the legs to do it, the mindset
1: to do it this season. We'll wait and see. Yeah, and as you said, whilst we are doing the actual preview, they have a lot of injuries, so once they get players back, you'd assume they'd improve as well. Mm. Um, moving on to the next game, which is also a half-twelve, but not on TV. I'm, I believe there's like a concert or something on in Manchester, and for policing reasons, they have to move it to, uh, to earlier or something like that. Um, but Manchester United v Villa. Um Man United a bit of a mixed start to the season, a couple of bad draws, obviously the young boys lost, but that, that's not the Premier League. Um and Villa Villa kinda of seemed to be very up and down even game to game, like within games mm. they're terrible, within games they're good. I mean, last last weekend they obviously battered Everton, but it didn't really spark until Leon Bailey came uh came on and I think he's injured, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he is indeed. Yeah, Villa, another team that have had the the uneven start to the season. They lost on the first day to Watford. That was a a big surprise result. They had been expected to win that. They did beat Newcastle at home, as they should. They drew at home with Brentford. They were disappointing in that one. Um, They lost away to Chelsea. and You're not going to knock them for that. And then last time out, obviously, they beat Everton 3-0. But again, they weren't overly impressive. And like you said... It wasn't until Leon Bailey came on that they were able to put real separation between themselves and Everton. Now they're going to be without Bailey, without Morgan Sanson, who played in midweek, and he's just had injury problem after injury problem since signing. Uh Tunzabi, who's been playing in the middle of the back three, he can't play because obviously I he o- he's owned by United. Uh Matt Target's a doubt. Keenan Davies and Trezeguet are both ruled out. John McGinn should be back. Now, Just this this concerned me, and this, this really bugs me with head injuries in football. This is Dean Smith on John McGinn. You are guided by the player. He didn't express concussion symptoms as soon as he'd done it. Just a whack on the head. There was another one later on that he certainly did. It bugs me when I hear managers say, you're guided by the player. You should never put the player's well-being in the player's own hands. You have a duty of care to these players. You should be putting the guide, the, the, the decision-making in the hands of doctors, of your medical staff, of which you have plenty. Not in the hands of a player. Because a player always wants to play. And we see it across any kind of contact sport, be it football, be it rugby, be it American football. We've, Continually hear of players playing on with concussion. We had a there was a big one in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago when Edelman clearly had a concussion and played on. There's been multiple occasions in the Premier League. Uh, we remember Hugo Lloris getting knocked out, knocked clean unconscious, at Everton by Romelu Lukaku. That will tell you how long ago it is, and this debate has been going on ever since. Not clean unconscious, they had to use smelling salts to wake him up. And when they woke him up, he said he was fine and wanted to play on, and he was awful for the rest of the season. So, putting it in the taking guidance from the player is nonsense. And Dean Smith, someone needs to have a word with him. I would have concerns over how many injuries Villa have. United will have no Rashford, no Cavani. And no Traore. I don't think any of them are in the starting 11. At the moment anyway. Because Oli's playing Pogba off the left. So that's Rashford out. Sancho or Greenwood plays on the right. So that's Diallo out. And then obviously Cristiano through the middle. So Cavani would be on the bench. And they also have Martial. So Cavani could be third choice in that regard. So. You would favour United at home. They'll want to you know, a bounce back after the disappointing result midweek in the Carabao Cup. I'm going to go 2-0 United. I think Cristiano will score, and maybe this will be his first goal for United that's not of a goalkeeping error. Uh, He might even (laughs) get a second non-tapping, which would be nice. But yeah, I'm going to go 2-0 United. I love that there's two early games on. I, I know the United game's not been televised in the UK, but it will be televised in the in the States. So if you have your Liberty Shield VPN, uh you could get yourself maybe a Peacock subscription and you'd be able to watch it that way. Or obviously there are other ways and means. I'm gonna have both on on the different screens. I'm gonna be really looking forward to uh, to the twelve thirty kickoffs on Saturday.
1: Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean Quickly on Villa, they seem to be bringing in a, a few youngsters. I know you, you liked um, Chuck, uh, Gazz, Chuck that's yeah, the one. Um, Chukwameca. Yeah, Chuck
0: Omeka, really good.
1: But also Jacob Ramsey, he seems to be becoming a first-team player now. Yeah.
0: Yes, and he's very, very talented. But his younger brother, Aaron, not the one at Juventus earning ridiculous money, Aaron Ramsey, that's a name to keep an eye on over the next 12 months or so. Super talented young midfielder. More potential than his brother, by all accounts. Villa's academy is tremendous. And it's not just the players that they're able to bring through from 8, 9, 10. They do a really good job at snapping up players at 15, 16 as well. And I believe he's out on loan this year. But we saw last year what Louis Barry was capable mm. of when he played against Liverpool in the in the league. He was obviously at West Brom's academy, went to Barca, couldn't settle. Villa snapped him up as as soon as they got the opportunity to. Uh he's out on loan at Ipswich this season. Um he's so far played four games for them. But I really like him. I think he's very, very talented. Uh they were linked with Morgan Rogers as well, who was also at West Brom at the same time as um as Barry. Now he, he ended up at City and he's been loaned to Lincoln last year and Bournemouth this year. I know Villa have keen interest on him um he's from the midlands and it's believed he would like a move home so he could be one for villa to keep an eye on this summer but he's super talented as well they just do a really good job at snapping up young players and at developing them it's something they've put a lot of focus on and it will bear fruit like you can see the long-term vision for villa is to have a lot of their own players coming through. We saw Cameron Archer score in midweek. Uh, Young Mungo Bridge looks a good player. Um, And like I said, the Ramsey brothers and Chukwemeca. And Chukwemeca's older brother, Caleb, they picked him up in the summer, 19, brought him in from from Northampton. Don't know if he's got the potential to be a first-team player. I haven't seen him. It may just be that they brought him in to keep his brother happy because there have been a lot of rumours that the big clubs were starting to sniff around. Um, and it may just be a move to try and get him to commit to the club long-term. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll wait and we'll see. All all you can say is that Villa are doing a really good job at all levels right now. Uh, obviously, pressure on Smith to take the first team forward. But when you see some of the young names like he has been on the bench a few times. or uh, Crescenzi, I think is his surname, actually. Uh, Pillijans Bedas really good players. Really, really good young players coming through at Villa and they can be really excited about their future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh moving on to the first of the three o'clock kickoffs, we have Everton against Norwich. Um obviously Norwich the dreadful start to the season. But Everton, after a really good start to the season, injuries seem to have caught up with them, especially in the forward areas. Um but it seems you'd expect this to be the perfect game for them to regardless of injury, settle back to winning ways?
0: Yeah, this is a game Everton should win. There's not really an excuse for them here. I know that they have injuries at the minute that are causing them problems. Richarlison is out. Pickford is out. and Normally, you wouldn't mind Pickford being out, but when the replacement is Asmir Begovic, um, that is a big concern. Seamus Coleman is out. Gabaman is is still an issue. Dina is a doubt, Andre Gomes is a doubt, Fabian Delph is out and Calvert-Lewin is out. So it is a concern for Everton at the moment. Like you said, they did start the the season really, really well and I think everybody was pretty impressed with them through the first four games, but then they got beaten by Villa last weekend, went out of the League Cup in midweek against QPR, which I think is a big disappointment considering they need silverware. That's what they need. Now, they've beaten Southampton and Burnley at home, both by three goals to one. I think they should get a similar enough result here. Norwich have had a horrible start, five defeats. This is a tough game. I don't expect them to get anything. And looking at, you know, they, they Rashik is a doubt. Cantwell is out for personal reasons. Sam Byram is out. Zimmerman's out. Is, uh, I mean, Rashika would be a starter. Cantwell would be as well. You'd worry if there's not if there's enough creativity in the team without those two. So I, I'm going to go 3-1 to Everton. Even without Calvert-Lewin, I still think Damari Gray has goals. Townsend has gotten goals this season. Rondon is a, a major handful. I, I think they'll find ways to score. I, I think I'll go Everton 3-1.
1: Yeah, I think DeCore as well. He, he he seems to be really suiting playing under Rafa as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. That freedom to go box to box. Um, and the knowledge that Alan will sit in midfield and pick up all loose balls, break up opposition attacks, it has given Decore a bit of freedom.
1: Yeah, absolutely. a uh, quick word on Norwich, I mean, obviously a couple injuries there, but the look they were terrible defensively against Liverpool in the League Cup, mm. but they seemed to attack all right. And I, I know they didn't score, but they did have a couple chances. Um, the young Greek lad, obviously, they'll probably start Pookie in this one. Um, should, like, how long does it go on before you just say they're already down? Because if they can't beat Everton with that many injuries, who can they beat? And they obviously that's of things as well.
0: That's exactly, yeah, the the loss to Watford last weekend was a really tough one to take because you looked at it and you thought, okay, the start of the season is difficult for them. They've got Liverpool, United, Leicester, Arsenal away, and even though Arsenal aren't the Arsenal that we're, you know, accustomed to over the years, it's still Arsenal, it's still away. So you thought those are four really tough games. If they can get one point, you'd call it doing well. You don't expect them to get anything against Liverpool, City or Leicester. That Arsenal game was maybe the opportunity for a point, but you wouldn't have been surprised at a defeat. But Watford at home is a game they had to win. Watford came up with them. Watford came up behind them. They were the best team of the Championship last season, not Watford. And you were looking at that as that's where the season can start. They have to look at this as a 34-game season. With a four-game preseason run-in to get themselves up to speed, and when that Watford game comes, you hit the ground running. And unfortunately, they just completely folded and were very, very disappointing in the game. Ishmael Asar tore them apart with his mm-hmm. pace. I think Damari Gray can do similar. I really yeah. do. And Damari Gray is a better finisher, I think, than Ishmael Asar. So It is concerning, and I said this when I did the good, the bad, and the ugly the other day. I picked them as my bad, and the main reason for that was because I think they're being really naive in how they're playing. They're still playing the way they played two years ago when they came up. and It's admirable. It's to be applauded to an extent, but at a certain point, you have to step back and say, do you want to be in this division or not? Do you want to be a Premier League club or do you just want that Premier League money and those parachute payments? Is that the function of Norwich City? And if that's it, fair enough. It wouldn't be for me. I can see some excitement in doing it a couple of times. Great. But the second time you come into the Premier League in a short span of time, you should come up with knowledge, with data, and with an approach that will keep you in the division. And they haven't done that. I have real concerns about them they got 21 points the last time they were up. If they don't start getting results soon, Guy, it may well be that they finish with less than 21 points, which would really be an embarrassment, especially considering they had a really good summer, like a mm-hmm. really, really good summer. But I think Daniel Farke just needs to change the approach a little bit. We saw him go back three in the cup at the week uh, in midweek. And maybe if you played Quebec instead of Hanley, that would work because then you'd have three good defenders in the team. You bring back in Cruel Gunn clearly still has some some shakiness to him. You've got an okay holding midfielder. i bring in Norman in that role. Go four across the middle. You get Aaron's pushed up high on the right. Gianolis on the left. Billy Gilmer and Lise Malou, quality players. But I think you want to go Gilmore and probably Cantwell, ideally, as the two in the middle. And then Rashika plus one. Now, it's Timo Puki at the moment. And obviously, he scored against Watford. Um, and he's not like he's had a bad start. He scored against Norwich as well from the penalty. He scored their only two goals this season. But maybe you go Rashika and Sargent as your two. They know each other quite well. Maybe that's your two that'll work and you, you kind of bank on Rashika to be the goal scorer in the team, while Sargent be your secondary goal scorer and do a lot of the hard work, run the channels, hold the ball up, bring others in, get Cantwell pushing from midfield. Maybe that's your approach. If you get your first 11 back in, maybe that, that 3-1-4-2 can work for them. But... It's it's a concern at the moment. I, I I do. I don't remember. Did I? I think I picked them to stay up, but now I I don't think so. I I I think they're going to go down. If I I'm think honest,
1: you said Brentford to go down, so I guess you just swat, I did. I, I had. There, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had Watford bottom. I'd be readdressing that one. Uh, Southampton. I I still think they're in trouble. I had Brentford. I think I'll be readdressing that one. Then I had Palace in 17. They've looked pretty decent so far. And I had Norwich in sixteenth. I think I will very quickly be readdressing that.
1: Welcome uh, because... to twentieth Norwich.
0: Yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, I might, I might have to redo those in a few weeks. Save that um, for January
1: when Brentford won't be sixteenth. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: yeah. True. I mean, that's the thing. We're still really early, yeah, and we've seen teams have good starts before, like Brentford and Watford have had and then kind of collapse when teams get more used to them. There's a bit more to, to see of how they are in the Premier League. But, I mean, teams don't need to see any more of Norwich. They can watch the whole season yeah, from two years ago because they're just repeating the same mistakes.
1: It is weird because you see someone like Graham Potter, I know Graham Potter is probably more talented than Farker, but he, he's defensively solid first, then the excitement comes. So people should really take a note of his book, I suppose. But we'll yeah. move on before we get into a Steve Bruce situation. Um, Leeds-West Ham, one of the games you picked out, Fortunately, mm-hmm. unfortunately for me. I'd have to find a streak. Uh, yeah, I think Leeds, uh, you'll obviously go through the injuries in a sec, but I'm pretty sure Bamford's out, which is obviously their only goal scorer. Yes. Um, and West Ham, obviously, big win midweek.
0: Yeah, big, big win, big confidence booster, especially after losing in the league in, in such a disappointing way with a noble penalty miss. Um, Big concerns for Leeds in this one. Loriente is out. Cock is out. Struyek is out. And Luke Ayling is a doubt. Which almost Mm -hmm. certainly means Calvin Phillips at centre-back next to Liam Cooper. Which isn't ideal from a defensive point of view and also massively weakens you in midfield. So you're missing your best centre-back in Loriente. You're now taking your best midfielder out of position... In Phillips to fill that void. You're not going to have Bamford up front. Jack Harrison's a doubt. Rafinha is a doubt. Doesn't sound concerning for (laughs) me. It doesn't. I mean, who do they play up front? They can bring in maybe one of the youngsters or play Rodrigo up front. Neither is ideal. Rodrigo's not really a number nine. You, you did feel in the summer like that was one thing Leeds could have done was address the lack of a backup to Bamford and like it's not like they've had a good start to the season. You know, three draws from their five games, no wins, twelve goals conceded, only five scored, and now no Bamford, they're not gonna have much in the way of a, a goal scoring threat, no centre backs, they're gonna be conceding more goals. I, I do have, con- not concerns that they'll go down, they'll, I think they'll be absolutely fine but I have concerns over what they're going to be like for the next few weeks. Whereas you look at West Ham Ryan Fredericks is the only player who's injured and he wouldn't be a starter anyway. So
1: Basically what you're you have to, me here Dave is I should put Mikel Antonio as my fantasy Premier League uh, I would
0: I would absolutely make, now I'm not very good at fantasy Premier League but I would make Mikel Antonio my Premier League captain this weekend. Um he is going to be good up against Liam Cooper, who he will absolutely maul. Now, if Phillips goes on him, that's different. But I'd imagine Antonio just goes and sits on Cooper and just batters him for ninety minutes.
1: Is um what's his name? Is it Charlie Creswell? Isn't he meant to be quite promising at centre back or something like that? I'm sure I've heard, um, He he
0: played at centre back in the in the midweek game against um. God, I can't remember who they played. But he's 19, he's got no Premier League experience. I don't know. I, I I don't think I would play him.
1: Not against Antonio though. Okay,
0: not against Antonio. That's a that's a very clear way to ruin a young player's confidence. But Bielsa might have no choice. And maybe Cresswell at centre back and Phillips in midfield. Is better than Phillips at centre back and whoever they can find to play in midfield.
1: The thing is, because Robin Koch is the backup midfielder as well, and so does Pascal Struyck. They, yeah. they play both positions, don't they? So. That's
0: exactly it. Mm. They're the backups at centre back. Well, Koch might be the first choice centre back when he's fully fit next to Loriente, but Struyck for sure is, you know, is an option in both. Koch, if Phillips is out, he's the one that steps into midfield, and Cooper would come in there. No Luke Ayling, so but a big outlet gone for them down the right. Junior Furpo still settling in. He's had a couple of sketchy moments defensively. Dan James on the left is is fine, but if Rafinha is not on the right, then you're you're unbalanced. They do have you know young Somerville who could come in and play wide, very talented. Yeah. But again, against a West Ham team who I know they lost to United, but this is a West Ham team who've started the season pretty well. Um, and, you know, you'd look at how they've performed this season. They obviously beat uh, beat Newcastle comfortably enough, hammered Leicester, drew with Palace. That was a disappointing one. Drew with uh, Southampton away, they were OK with that. But West Ham have been good this season. They obviously won their first Europa League game. They beat United in the Cup. So four wins already out of seven games this season is pretty good form. As opposed to Leeds, who, who aren't in good form at all. Um, the Ellen Road factor will help Leeds, but I think I go smash and grab West Ham win 1 0.
1: Might have to change Antonio from captain now if it's 1 0. <laughs> um,
0: that's but a yeah. good point, but, but yeah, that's a good point. But you know what? You're right. I'll go 2 0. I'll go 2-0. I will go to nil. i do not see where Leeds are going to get a goal from. Mm. And remember as well, Leeds are dreadful defending the set piece. Mm-hmm. And West Ham have really good central defenders who attack set pieces brilliantly. Albana is useful if it's him that starts. Zoom is one of the best in the league Thomas in Suchet. that regard. Such- Suchek's a monster. Rice is good in the air. If it's Dawson who starts, he's good in the air. If it's Diop who starts, he's good in the air. Antonio's good in the air. And they've got good delivery as well. Mm-hmm. With Fornals, Benrama, Cresswell, Bowen, whoever takes them. Really good. De- I'll go 2-0. I'll go 2-0 to uh, to West Ham.
1: Yeah, probably the most interesting thing will be to see how the hell Leeds line up with all these problems. But we'll see. Piazza's yeah. probably the one to do it. Um... But we'll move on to the next one. Uh Leicester against Burnley, Brendan V. Daishi, Um a mixed start from both. Uh Burnley won in, in the well, I say a mixed Burnley start's been horrendous. But they won, they won in midweek, didn't they? Um surely they have to start using the new signing. I mean, Corner, it Corner, have you pronounce his name. Um, I'm not sure if Connor Roberts is fit yet, but th- it looks to me whenever I watch them in the league, they just need a new injection of something in the team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They, they need something to shake things up a little bit. Uh, Burnley will have Josh Brownhill's a doubt. Wayne Hennessy's out. Connor Roberts is out. He's got a bit of a thigh issue. Uh, Dale Stevens and Kevin Long are both out. Leicester's injuries have all kind of cleared up at once. The only players still out are James Justin, who's working his way back from the torn ACL. And they're hoping he'll be back in late October, early November. And Wesley Fafana, who who won't be back until the new year. So they'll have the rest back. Um, you look at how Leicester have gone this season, and it hasn't really been been great. They beat Wolves on the opening day, but they were very fortunate to win that game. They got hammered by West Ham. They beat Norwich, but again, we're very fortunate. They lost to City. They drew with Napoli in the Europa League. They lost to Brighton. And then they beat uh, Millwall 2-0 in the League Cup in the week. You would expect them at home to beat this Burnley side, given especially how bad Burnley have started the season. Only the one point. The disappointing defeats against Brighton. And against Everton, where they went ahead and then just, you know, conceded and then conceded again really quickly. They lost to Arsenal last time out. A little bit unfortunate to lose that game. Odegaard scored a worldie and they had a couple of good chances of their own, just couldn't take them. But away to Leicester will be tough. Leicester being close enough to full strength. Mm hmm. I think you back, Leicester, to win this game. Leicester need to start getting some results as well because there is going to be pressure on Brendan to get top four this year. Given how much they spent in the summer, given they didn't do what they normally do, which is sell one of their main players to kind of fund everything else, their wage bill is exceptionally high compared to their turnover. I think he's under big pressure to get top four this year. And they're already four. Sorry, they're already six points off the pace. And now, admittedly, that is Brighton and fourth, who won't stay there. But you'd look at Liverpool, Chelsea, don't look like dropping many points. United are on thirteen as well. That's a seven-point gap for for Leicester to make up to United. You, you expect that City will get back in the mix, um, even if they lose the next two games. You still expect City to outdo, even if they can't win the league, they'll still be top four. So the window's closing for Leicester. It may already be closed, and I think Rodgers needs to start getting wins under his belt because three defeats in the league already is disappointing. And I don't think he can afford too many more before the pressure really starts because he's done a good job, there can be no doubt, and he brought them silverware. But that ownership wants success. They want Champions League football. Mm-hmm. And if he can't deliver that, they'll go and find someone who can.
1: Thing is, if the other route, which obviously they are in the Europa
0: League, it it's Brendan. He doesn't do he doesn't do Europe. <laughs> no, that's the thing. He's he's utterly appalling in Europe. His his record in Europe at Liverpool, at Celtic, and at Leicester is embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. So you know, you'd you'd look at that and you think that's not a route for them. They're not going to win that competition, and they're, I would say, unlikely to get fit, uh, fourth in the Premier League this season. And when you look at the talent at the disposal, it just it does make you scratch your head a little bit because you you just kind of think right. I don't think he'd go there. I could be wrong. Maybe he would. But what if Conte got that job? What if Conte walked in there tomorrow? So he would go Casper and goal. Now, assuming everybody's fit, which obviously Brendan hasn't had yet, but say Conte takes over in three months, Justin is back, for is back. You've got Casper and goal, James Justin, Wes Fafana, and Sionchu as a back three. With Johnny Evans... As kind of the, the fourth option you can play across all three positions. That's that's a really promising back line. You go Pereira and Casting as your wing backs. he want and then you've still got young Luke Thomas who can play left wing back, Ryan Bertrand and James Justin can play right wing back if you need it as can So loads of options there. Across the midfield, he'll go Ndidi Thielemans Madison, and you've still got Bubakari Samari to come in, so you've got four really good options there, and then Harvey Barnes and Vardy up front with Daka and um, Ian Acho. Ian Acho as the as the depth option. So again, really good up front. That's a really really strong team that Conte would get top four with. Maybe not this season because he'd probably be too far behind if it was the case that he was taking over, but. You'd wonder with Brendan, is he too worried about the aesthetics of it? Like, Brendan loves to play attacking football, and that's fine. But maybe there's times where he needs to be a little bit more pragmatic.
1: So, to be fair to Brendan, when, before Justin's injury especially, he was playing free at the back a lot. So maybe he that was, was but the they, plan.
0: He was, but he's never really been able to find the balance between being mm. solid at the back and good going forward. But I do think he likes three at the back. He used three at the back against yeah, Liverpool uh, loved at the Liverpool. Liverpool yeah. Um, but the, the issue with him is three at the back isn't Brendan's base formation. Three at the back is Brendan's way of solving a defensive problem. So unlike Acante, who that's just what he plays, is three at the back. Brendan reverts to that when his defence is creaking and conceding goals. Think to his first season, his first full season, and even the half season he had, it was back four the whole time. He started using three at the back after they collapsed that first full season and their defence had fallen apart. And he started using it back three more often to solve the defensive problem. The issue then was that Leicester were struggling to score goals. So he hasn't yet found the right balance. Give him time, he might do it. But... I don't know, Brendan's end-of-season runs and his European performances are what will stop him reaching the elite level of manager and probably stop him getting another major job. Like He could potentially get the Arsenal job or the Spurs job. But even though Arsenal, I would say... Absolutely, historically one of the three biggest clubs in the in the in the country. Right now, that job is not as big as City, Chelsea, United, or Liverpool. Oh, god, That job right now is what the Liverpool job was when he got it. You know, yeah. historically huge club, big expectations. He, you're you're looking to him to get you back into the top group, if not to win things. He did it. For a short time, obviously, Liverpool. But I don't think he'd get a look for United for Liverpool. He definitely wouldn't get the Liverpool job again. But United, City, or Chelsea, I don't think any of them would consider him. Um, And I think it's largely because he's dreadful in Europe. And he has a pattern of failure at the end of seasons. Twice with Leicester, Liverpool 13-14. And that season with Swansea, where they should have come up automatically, fluffed it at the end of the year and ended up coming up to the playoffs. In credit to them,
1: he against the get play- top four with us as well, didn't he? When we was it Van Hal who battered us at Old Trafford, was yes. it? And then it kind of curtailed the rest of it.
0: Yeah, that fourteen fifteen season, we we were we were fairly poor, but we probably still should have gotten uh, top four. And he just the end-of-season run was really, really bad. Really, really bad. And, like, that was the season That may have been where... the Stoke
1: season, I think. <laughs> uh, let's not think about that.
0: So, if we look at this, uh, Liverpool were, were fifth. Uh, they finished sixth, but they were fifth with six games left. And the six games were West Brom, Hull... QPR, Chelsea, admittedly, a tough one because um, they won the league, I think, that year, didn't they? Oh, no, did Leicester win the league that year? Leicester won the league that Leicester, year. yeah. It was Marine um, Guard, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Crystal Palace and Stoke. So, of those six games, Liverpool should have won five of them comfortably. Instead, they lost three, drew two and only beat QPR at home, 2-1. Um, with a a late, late Gerrard goal, if you remember. So, they ended up finishing sixth, whereas going into those last six games, they were in a really strong position to get top four. And United looked really shaky at the time under Van Hal. They didn't seem to have the belief that they'd be able to, to do it, but... You know, Liverpool Liverpool failed to fail to get the job done.
1: I shouldn't have brought that up. I want to move on now. Yeah, move <laughs> I'm on. I'm depressed on now. Quickly. Right. Uh, so, I'll go yeah.
0: I'll go three one to Leicester City in this game. And we will take a break at that one. That is five. So we'll take a break and we will be back with the other five. See you in a minute. Right, welcome back. Uh if you're depressed like me, it's because Guy Drinkle brought up the 14-15 season and now my mood has changed. Um, right, Guy, let's move on. We've got five more games to get through. and I think one more of them is a Saturday 3pm kickoff.
1: Yeah, at least we can bring down Newcastle fans with us, Dave. Uh, we've got Watford, <laughs> <laughs> Watford against Newcastle. I, I mean, I don't mean any disrespect to Watford, but it, it is a winnable game for Newcastle, but... Obviously, Watford off the back of that Norwich result. Even before that, they look like they have the idea of what they're trying to do. There's a lot of pace in the front. Saar looks dangerous every time he gets the ball. Mm. I believe his stats are up there in like top percentiles in, in the league and stuff like that. But you, you see promise there, and, and you'd think, I mean, Sour on that um, right-hand side, probably up against Matt Ritchie. I'm not sure what the injury situation yeah. is. Yeah. Sauer against Matt Ritchie. Emmanuel Dennis looks dangerous as well. Um, it's just finding the right balance in midfield and defence for them, really. it's it, You'd be much more um, optimistic as a Watford fan than a Newcastle fan, I think.
0: 100%. Look... If you weren't depressed as a Newcastle fan, go and listen to what Steve Bruce said in his press conference today because that man has been in that job over two years and is still spouting on that he's looking for the balance in the team. You've had two years. The reason there's no balance in your team, Mr. Bruce, is because you continually play a flat back five. He came out and said, I think we've played a back a back five about fifty percent of the time, it's way higher than that. Way higher. And the thing is, it's a back five. not it should be a back three, but he insists that his full back sits so deep that they have no impact on the attacking side of the game. And then he plays two sitting midfielders in front of them. So it's a back seven from Steve Bruce. That's why there's no balance. You've got seven defensive players and only three attacking players. That's why there's no balance in your team, Steve because you're handcuffing them with horrendously negative tactics. Um, You look at Newcastle's injury situation, and it's not good, Guy. Shelby's out. Wilson's out. Dubravka's out. Lachelle's out. All four of them nailed on starters. Joe Willock is out. Five nailed on starters. Paul Dummett, he's... He's out. He shouldn't be starting. He shouldn't be a Premier League player at this point. But Bruce loves him for some reason. So maybe he'd be starting. And then Freddie Woodman, who's obviously had a a very shaky start to the season. He's out as well. Um, well he's either injured or he's, he was dropped. And they're trying to use the injury thing as a cover. Because if you remember last season, Carl Darlow was in goal. Dubravka came back. Dubravka was on the bench. Darlow, who'd been really good had a couple of shaky games and it leaked that Bruce was planning to drop him and bring Dubravka back in. Hadn't told the player yet. He denied it and then went ahead and played Dubravka and he got absolutely pillared for it. This season, Woodman had obviously had a shaky start, but it leaked on a Wednesday or Thursday that he was going to drop Woodman and bring in Carl Darlow. He denied it, and then it came out, oh, well, Freddie Woodman's actually injured. So I don't know what to believe there. I do believe, though, that Newcastle are in big trouble right now with all those injuries, with a manager who, number one, clearly no no longer wants to be the manager of the club, but doesn't want to quit because he feels... Steve Bruce cares about Newcastle because he grew up a Newcastle fan. He's a Geordie boy... The club matters to him, and he wants to be a success there. Unfortunately for Steve Bruce, he's not a good enough manager to be a success there. Steve Bruce, regardless of what team you give him, will drag them through a relegation scrap. You could give him the current Manchester City eleven, and he will <laughs> drag them through a relegation scrap, and probably keep them up, but heroically, that's not what... Yeah, a heroic last-day escape. Or one of those where they float around at 17th and 18th for like most of the season and then win three or four at the end of the season, finish 12th and applaud themselves as they walk off. That's just what he is, the manager. And Newcastle should be more. I've been through the squad a dozen times. It's a good squad of players. There's no excuse for them to be as bad or as negative as they have been. Even with some of these injuries, they should still have a better way of playing. If, if not, the, Even if the results weren't good, they're not good the way you play anyway. You could play more exciting stuff and still lose. What, what would you have to lose? At least your fans would go home with a little bit of joy because they'd watch a decent game of football for a change. Uh, Watford, no Dan Backman. That's a plus. Ben Foster played against Norwich. was really good. Kiko it should be back. And Joe Pedro, they hope to have back in the squad. So, with a bit of luck, he will be on the bench. I, I'm really excited to see him play this season. I think Watford will win this game at home. Confidence boosted by the win at Norwich. Newcastle, I don't think it could get much lower for them. Ishmael Assar will absolutely roast that back line. Like, Matt Ritchie... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Ritchie finds his way into being sent off because I don't know how else he's going to deal with Sarr other than to try and kick him into the stand. So I'm going to go 2-0 home win to the the Hornets. Are they the Hornets? Is that Watford's nickname? Yeah. Or have I made that up? It It is is the Hornets, isn't it? That's all right. Do you know what's always confused me about Watford though, right? Is that their nickname is the Hornets, but they're logo is like a moose or something so if if anyone can explain to me why their logo is a moose or maybe it's a deer but it looks like a moose to me um i'd be really really is it hornets because of the horns on the thing is that is it that rather than the actual you know bee or wasp type angle?
1: I don't if, know. if
0: anyone knows the answer to why Watford are called the Hornets and why their logo is a moose, I would love to know. Uh, answers on a postcard or to at Guy Drinkle on Twitter uh, or EPL Index on Twitter or in the Anfield Index Discord, uh, wherever you are. Just, I want to know why.
1: What, Watford's nickname is the Hornets. The nickname was chosen by the club supporters because they play in black and yellow. And then it explains what a hornet is. Thanks for that, Google.
0: (laughs) Right, so it is because of the wolf-type creature.
1: Their their badge used to be a a hornet as well.
0: But why is it a moose? I don't know. It makes no sense. Right, so we now know why they're called the hornets. But if someone can explain why that badge is what it is.
1: So it changed to a moose in 78, but before that it was a hornet.
0: Right, but we don't know why it changed to a moose.
1: I can Google this, but we'll probably—I'll do it in the background. <laughs>
0: yeah, Google that in the background and let me know as I ramble about the next game. Uh, right, I'll, I'm going two-nil Watford anyway. So what have we got next?
1: Yeah, next game is the late kickoff. So if you're in the UK like me, uh, this one's on Sky. Uh, new, uh, newly promoted, newly impressive Brentford um, against Liverpool, who have some question marks in, in midfield, Dave.
0: They do indeed. It's almost like, you know, when you lose a midfielder who plays every game and don't replace them. it's not a good idea because all your other midfielders are injury prone. Thiago's out, Naby Cade is out, Harvey Elliott obviously out for most of the season. Uh So they will be relying on Jordan Henderson, James Milner and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, all of whom are injury prone alongside Fabinho and Curtis Jones, who's still finding his way as a footballer and still doesn't always know what those things at the end of his legs are for. Um, concerning for Liverpool. Seven injuries at the moment, though Bobby Firmino is back in training and they'll hope that he'll at least make the bench. Nico Williams is still out. Trent Alexander-Arnold is back, as is James Milner. They both had some sort of flourish type carry on. But concerning injuries for the Reds, uh, for Brentford, Shandon Baptiste is uh, is suspended. Rico Henry is a go at left wing back after a minor ankle problem. Mad Sorensen and Josh De Silva remain on the injured list. So Brentford will be pretty much at full strength. You'd imagine that with Baptiste out on Yeke comes into the midfield so they don't lose anything there. In fact, they might even get a bit stronger, though Baptiste is a good player. Liverpool should have enough to win this game. With respect to um with respect to Brentford, they should still win this game. I will go two one to Liverpool. I think I think Brentford will find it hard to cope with Liverpool's pace and wide areas. So I'll go 2-1 to Liverpool.
1: I was going to ask follow-up questions about Brentford, but I have the Watford answer.
0: Right, fire ahead.
1: <clears throat> In the words of a Watford fan, if you've ever wondered why the Watford, uh, why Watford are called the Hornets yet have a moose on their badge, it's because the animal is actually a hart, a male red deer which is depicted on the Her- Her- Hertfordshire coat of arms where Watford is based.
0: Oh, okay. Right, first of all, that's silly. Secondly, it doesn't look anything like a deer. It looks like a moose. Third of all, it's the ugliest badge in the Premier League. Like, everything is wrong with it. The shape, the the colour pattern, the, the moose. No, everything is wrong with that badge. So- I, I genuinely believe it is the worst badge in the Premier League. Wolves run it very close. In fact, wolves <laughs> might be worse.
1: To be fair, if you Google what a heart looks like, H-A-R-T, it looks like a moose. Looks like the English version of a moose.
0: This no. Is... <laughs> no, it doesn't. It looks like a deer. It is a deer, but we... But moose is like... Have you saw... Mooses is... Moose-eye? No. Moose is... Moose... M- moose eye? I don't, I, <laughs> they don't look anything like deers. They they look more like cows than deers. Mooses look like trucks. Yes, basically. What a moose is, is it's a building that can kill you uh, and run at 60 kilometres an hour while also jumping like 15 feet in the air or something.
1: They can also Ridiculous. swim, which I figured out on TikTok.
0: Yes, which is which terrifying. Is terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. I'm looking at a picture of a moose next to a Hyundai SUV type of thing. (laughs) And the hump on his back, where his neck meets his body, is higher than the roof rack on this Hyundai. That is, it's a Hyundai Santa Fe. So anyone who drives a Hyundai Santa Fe, have a look at how big your car is. A moose's back is higher from the ground than the roof rack on your car. That is terrifying. I'm glad and they're not in the for... UK. Yes, because even, even though I'm not in the UK, that would just be too close because, like you said, they can swim and it's a short <laughs> hop over the, the channel so, or the Irish Sea. So, no, we don't want any of them over here anyway. But looking at club badges, this is completely off course. I, I like Arsenal's. It's not as nice as the original one. I do like Villa's. Brighton's I wouldn't be overly keen on. Uh, I like the tradition of Burnley's. Chelsea's is pretty cool. Palace, I think, have the best one in the league. Uh, Everton's old one was much better than the new one, which looks like a gnomes cottage. Fulham's is awful. Uh, Actually, uh, Leeds' is awful. Their original one was much better. I like Leicester's. I like Liverpool's. I like City's. I like United's. I like Newcastle's. Newcastle's is up there, I think, with, with Palace as one of the best. Um St. Hampton's is a bit weird. It looks, looks like a really cheap thing that you'd put in place as a placeholder. I like the Spurs one. It's classic. Um, West Brom. Oh, no, West Brom, I think this is last year. So what am I doing? So let's look for the Norwich emblem. I like the Norwich emblem with the canary sitting on the ball. Uh, could do it maybe a little bit of a freshen up, but other than that, it's good. West Ham's meh. Wolves, awful. Awful. What Wolves have got going on. Brentford's. It's all right. Their new one is brilliant. Their old one was far too much going on. The new one is brilliant. Um, but yeah, there's actually quite a few that are bad. Wolves is a shocker. Southampton's is bad. Leeds, Fulham. And Watford. They're the five worst. For those who've always wondered, (laughs) what are the five worst badges in the Premier League this season? And I know it's a hot topic. There's the five worst badges with Brighton as an honourable mention. Meh. Anyway, we're moving on, Guy. Uh, What's the next game?
1: I quite like Tottenham's badge, FYI. But anyway. um... Yeah,
0: Tottenham's is great. Tottenham, I would say Tottenham, Newcastle, and Palace as the top three. And the main reason is because there's no border on them. Mm. Like they're not just a shape. Liverpool's is nice for the same, same kind of reason, even though it has the internal shape. But I would say, I would say those are the three best. So again, for those, again, hot topic, those who've been wondering what are the three best badges? It's Crystal Palace, Spurs, and Newcastle. And I think I'd put them in that order.
1: Um, We've just wasted two of Dave's International Week podcasts there. Um, But hey-ho, we'll move on to Sunday then. Uh, Southampton against Wolves. Um, Yeah, I mean, Southampton, was it four draws in a row, is it?
0: Loving the draws. Four draws.
1: And Wolves can't score goals.
0: No. (laughs) No, they cannot. (laughs) They've never been able to defend all that well, so this is not a new problem, but The inability to score goals is, without doubt, a concern. Um, Wolves have won one game. These teams have played 10 games and won one game between them. Um, It's concerning for Wolves because you you felt like they they needed a change from, from Nuno. And they bring in Bruno, and he changes the entire style, but they don't really back him enough in the summer. Mm. They don't get in the the changes in defence that they needed. Uh, now, they're they're without Johnny Otto. They're without Neto. Mascara got hurt in midweek. Ait Nuri got hurt in midweek. And Hugo Bueno's out. So, you know, Mascara was the one thing they, they were hoping that could break into the defence and improve it. Eight Nuri obviously would break in on the left and, and improve things there. Though he is more attacking than defensive. Saints have four players out. Armstrong is out and Stevens is out, while well, Smallbone and Theo Walcott are major doubts. So you'd expect that none of them will play. Armstrong's the only real loss there. Saints at home. I think you'd give them the advantage here. I think I'll go with a Southampton home win.
1: You know the safe bet to the draw.
0: The safe bet is absolutely the draw. The Wolves have not yet drawn a game this season. Wolves either win or lose all the time. And they they lose all the time. Um, Wolves' inability to score goals concerns me. I think Armstrong and Adams with their movement and Armstrong's pace will cause Wolves problems. We've seen Wolves, they, how committed they are to attacking, is leaving them a little bit exposed at the back. And when you've got guys like Conor Cody who aren't particularly good defenders, that's problematic. I'll go 1-0 Southampton.
1: Yeah, I think that could be anything. Literally, week to week, we'll be wondering if Wolves will click. That's probably what we're going to talk about every Friday. Um yeah. Next up, then we've got probably the biggest one on uh, historically, at least as, we, as you mentioned in the uh, star Arsenal against Spurs. Uh, just, I mean, a few weeks ago, this preview would have been a lot different. Seeing as Arsenal were bottom and Spurs were top, but it's mm. sort of seemingly now meeting in the middle. Um, what can we take away from Arsenal's improvement? Because it's two wins, you would have expected them again. I mean, we I think we mentioned Burnley was a good litmus test, but. It's still Arsenal, and you'd still expect them to beat Burnley. And they did pass that
0: litmus test. They did. They did. Defensively, they held up. Ramsdale had to, you know, make a couple of good saves. But they dealt well with the physicality of Burnley. I thought Tommy Asu had a great game at right back. Really, really impressed. Uh, That back four looks to be gelling quite quickly. Tommy Asu, White, Gabriel, and Tierney. Now, it's an expensive back line. It's the better part, I think, of 120 million in defence. So it would want to to gel, and when you add the goalkeeper at 30 million or, or near enough to it, you're talking 150 million for that defence. So it would want to, to gel quickly and work out for them. I liked the idea of the four-one-four-one with Thomas Partey as the the lone kind of midfielder, similar to what Calvin Phillips does at Leeds. It means they can get Pepe, Odegaard, Smith Rowe, and Saka all on the pitch together. And again, even with the two academy graduates, you're talking another 150 million in midfield between Partey, Odegaard, and Pepe. So this is not some, you know, ragamuffin thrown together island of misfit toys. This is a team that's been very expensive to assemble. You've got Aubameyang up front. He was was he sixty million something close to that. So yeah, they've spent maybe. a lot of money on this team, and I, I know I know Pepe and Aubameyang came in before Arteta got there. As did Tierney, I believe. Yeah, Tierney came in before him, but the rest is all him. So he has to deliver with this group. There's a lot of money been put into backing him. You would expect them to beat Norwich at home. We expected them to, I think I had it for the draw at at Burnley, but, you know, you're not surprised by an Arsenal win because they're Arsenal Mm -hmm. and it's Burnley. This is the first real test. Now, like you said, they started the season badly and were bottom after three games against good teams. They've beaten bad teams, the bottom two teams they should beat, teams that have one point between them from 10 games. Spurs, look, the Chelsea game, throw it out. You expected them to lose to Chelsea. And they played well in the first half. The Palace game was the concern. They were really, really poor. Even before the red card, they were getting outplayed. And the reason Tanganga had to do what he did in in the first yellow card, when he kind of just ran into Zaha, was because they were getting torn apart. Zaha Mm -hmm. was having his way with them. That's a bit of a concern. But you look at the first three games, they beat City. They looked, I thought on the day, very, very impressive. They beat Wolves, less impressive, but still got the win away from home. And they beat Watford and didn't look impressive at all. Um, So they they have progressively gotten worse as the season's gone on. (laughs) But at the same time, Let's just quickly go through their injuries. They're going to be missing Bergwein, who wouldn't start. Cessnion, who wouldn't start. And Lucas Mora who might start. Um,
1: I think one of the fast lads would start because they do... When I watch them, I, I think they do miss something on the right-hand side.
0: That bit of pace to run in behind. Yeah, yeah because it gives them balance. Because we know that Kane will drop out, pick mm-hmm. the ball up. And he likes that hooked ball in over, kind of behind the centre-back. Or over the centre-back, in behind the full-back. So yeah, one of Bergweiner or Mora would start, but they still have Brian Hill who could play there. Uh, they've got Sun back, Kane is back, all the midfielders are playing. Endumbelis look really good since coming into the team. Yeah. Lascello, his form's been hit and miss. Clearly very talented, struggles a little bit when the game is played at a high high tempo. He likes to be in control of the tempo of the game.
1: I think it should be and him or Ali really you'd say so yeah
0: i mean i i would look at it that way that maybe you want to get in more of a defensive kind of box to box player because you've got endombelly as a as an attacking box to box player
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you could get a defensive box to box player in Scoop. then holferg mm-hmm. as kind of the sitter ali is the more advanced one the thing is nuno wants to play either a back 3 or 4231 and he doesn't really have the players to do it. He doesn't have a central midfield pairing that works in 4-2-3-1. Because Endembele is brilliant, but he's not He's not a double pivot player in the Premier League. He doesn't have that defensive capability. And he wants to always be progressing and aggressive getting forward. So ideally you want to play a diamond with him on the right. And Deli is the 10 and Heisberg is the sitter. La Celso for now is probably their best option on the left-hand side or Oliver Skip if you want that more defensive presence. Mm-hmm. But that's something they need to address because they've got the full-backs to play a diamond. Like Emerson yeah. and Regulon are great going forward. They do need a centre-back, but for now Romero and Davinson are the two best options and should probably be the two that play. And then Kane, up, uh, Kane and Son up front as a two is is ideal. But if he plays with a with a midfield three or with a... you know He's played 4-3-3 three, three a couple of times this season as well. He's got to play... He's got to play Delhi and Heusberg will play and then it doesn't really work with Endembele as the other one either or La Celso. You, you need that balance. So I think Nuno's actually holding them back a little bit in, in how he's setting the team up. Um, as for Arsenal, Tierney's a slight doubt but should be OK. And I, I believe Granit Xhaka returns... For this one. No, he he's doesn't. still
1: suspended. He's
0: still suspended. Is he?
1: Uh, according to Premier Injuries, he is.
0: No, I think he's... He says, I think he's back. Let me see. Hang on. He got sent off against City. They played... Yes, yeah, see, the League Cup will count as his third suspension I, game.
1: I, I think that got changed a couple of years ago, so that doesn't count anymore. Oh. I might... be oh. Well, he... he is Either way, way,
0: it's a bad thing if he is fi- uh, available. Yeah, it's a bad <laughs> thing if he's fit. Like, but what I was going to say is, it doesn't really matter if he's if he's suspended because they're better without him. Um I hope so he's maybe, okay. Yeah. yeah, more than likely he'll go four-two-three-one. He'll he'll waste Smith wide on the left, yeah. Saka on the right, and then he play Odegaard as a ten. Hmm.
1: um just before we finish on this deal I'm, I'm sure you see- you've seen it last weekend Roy Kane was destroying Harry kane um yeah. he doesn't whether it's fitness or um uh, doesn't look right at or all, something, does he? he just doesn't look bothered
0: no he doesn't look bothered at all he is walking through games um he and he he looks a little bit old, like on the heavy side as well like he's always been a kind of a, a, Stocky, I suppose. Is is, uh, he's he's got a big backside? Is what he's got, and it just looks bigger this year. He looks a little bit like he's carrying a little bit of timber. Like you know, he didn't really have a preseason because he He was late coming back after the years, and yeah, then he went and strike. And then when he came back, he trained by himself for a week. So I'd imagine he didn't do a whole lot there. So yeah, he, he doesn't look right. He's and he's playing too deep as well. Like mm. every time you look at look up, he's he's stood in midfield and you're like, what are you doing? There's Especially, no outpost if you're stood yeah. in midfield.
1: Especially when you've got Ndombala, La Celso, Ali, as you mentioned. If it is them, you you really don't need to be that deep. I know Ali can run beyond, but there's a whole point of having them them two in midfield with La Celso and Ndombola.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um I don't know what the situation... like with Kane. He clearly didn't he clearly wanted to leave that's That's a fact he wanted to leave, and he tried to force the move, and he was very unprofessional in his actions and he's been a little bit unprofessional in how he's performed this season because, as I say, he doesn't look like a guy who's who's fit, he doesn't look like a guy who's got himself in the best physical shape to play the game. This weekend, or last weekend, the well, weekend the, before.
1: The thing is, Dave. We mentioned that their their performances have been getting de- declining every game. Yeah, since he came back.
0: Since he came back into the yeah, team, they
1: look better yeah. with Son up
0: front. They did. They look better with Son. Now there is the the thing as well. Kane has traditionally started seasons poorly. So for a number of years, Kane had no goals in August and only a mm. few goals in September, and it was always in October then that he kind of. You know, found his groove, found his rhythm, and started. So we'll, we'll wait and see because obviously he's there till January at, at the late at the earliest anyway. Um, City might come in with one hundred and fifty million in January. I doubt it, but they might.
1: Yeah,
0: I I doubt it, but they might. Um, so we'll we'll wait and see. But it doesn't look good for things right now. And and Roy Keane was exactly spot on with what he said, as he generally tends to be, because whether you like it or not, he's honest, but he knows what he's talking about. And just because he doesn't like your favourite player doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's talking about. In the same way, Graham Souness is actually an excellent pundit. Just because he doesn't laud Paul Pogba for playing five-yard sideways passes and calls them out for his nonsense, for his lack of work rate, his lack of defensive nous, his lack of effort, and his lack of caring about United in general, and his lack of performance, uh, doesn't mean that Graham Souness doesn't know what he's talking about. Just because Pogba has one good game every four months doesn't negate what Graham Souness is saying in the same way that Harry Kane going on a on a rush of goals in October won't negate what, what Roy Keane has said about him in September. Even though when he does, Kane will Kane will have a burst where he scores like seven goals in five games. And Spurs fans will put up the clip of Kane or of Keane rather criticising him. Going all Roy Keane wrong again. No, he's not, because he's talking about now. And right now, Harry Kane is playing really poorly. So, simple as that. I'm going to go 2-2 for the North London Derby. I do think this is going to be a fun game.
1: Yeah, they always are, really. Um, Monday, then, um, what What do we call this Derby?
0: There is a name on it. It's, uh, it's motor, I can't remember what motorway it is one of the more was Crystal Palace name it is the
1: A23 that's and it. M23 derby that's the one um yeah. yeah did i know you used to go to i know it's at um, selhurst park
0: but you, mm. when
1: you were going to Brighton games did you experience this or were they too far apart
0: um no i think i saw one I'm almost certain I saw them play Palace once. Mm. I went to Selhurst Park a couple of times as well, right? Okay. Because Croydon's not too, not all that far um, from Brighton, so when Brighton were, you know, away off up of the country, sometimes I would go and see Palace. Um, I'm almost certain I did see them play. Let me just let me just check. Uh, this is great radio. Hmm. Uh, I mean, leave this in th- though.
1: Yeah, yeah. Whilst you're typing, I'll say I mean, Brighton uh, form wise, they, they've won all their games bar one, which was the Everton loss, and Palace are 14th at the minute. Bit mixed, lost the first game at Chelsea, as you'd expect. Two draws in a row between uh, with Brentford, then West Ham, which are probably two good results looking at the, at the other teams. Then battered Tottenham, as we said earlier, and then lost to Liverpool, which you'd kind of expect. Um, and I'll go through the injuries as well. Um, Adam Webster is the other side of the international break. Um, Basuma, late fitness test. Alexis McAllister, late fitness test, but um, an extra 25% according to Premier Injuries. Uh, and Weppu a doubt as well. Um, He's Would be a huge loss, like a transformative loss, because he's pretty much their midfield. Um, and Palace Schlupp, seventy five percent chance. Eze ruled out and Ferguson ruled out. So Palace should be full strength. Um, you know I
0: didn't. I did not see Palace play Brighton. Mm.
1: But I mean, you still part. You were still part of the community back then, so you you obviously know what this um, rival. Oh yeah, is. like the
0: hatred for, for the hate, like. Brighton fans are a really nice bunch, like really friendly. It's 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 just it's a really nice place to live. Brighton's a lovely place to live. The people are really nice. Everybody has a good quality of life and lives a happy existence. But mention Crystal Palace and the mood changes. Like there's a really strong <laughs> dislike for them, even though like it's it's the weirdest rivalry because like they're close but they're not that close. Like it's not. Like you can just, you know, walk from one ground to the other. It's mm. not like in Manchester or in London or in Liverpool or anything like that. Um, it's a it's a train journey and it's obviously it's the better part of an hour probably on the train. But yeah, the mood the mood does change when you mention Brighton or mention Palace fans around Brighton, and also when you mention Brighton around Palace fans because I worked with a few Palace fans, which is how I ended up going to Selhurst Park with them. And they had a, a... There's probably more dislike from Palace fans towards Brighton fans than vice versa. Mm. It's probably closer to hatred. Mm. Um, Doesn't it stem
1: from changing a name? Didn't it, didn't the badge, there was, wasn't it the Seasiders, then they became
0: the Seagulls or something? The Seagulls, yeah. yeah. um, Or the Pigeons.
1: <laughs> the <laughs>
0: Pigeons, as uh, as Palace fans called them. Um, Yeah. I, there's a there's a there's more of a working class feel around Croydon and Crystal Palace mm. than there is around Brighton, which is kind of seen as a little bit of an upper class area, and you know a little bit prawn sandwichy and and cap prawn sandwiches and cappuccinos as opposed to you meat know pie. a pint beer <laughs> yeah meat pint of beer so so that's kind of where that really strong dislike comes from them you know a little bit tory um, even though they not wasn't my experience of it at all um but yeah uh, they it, it's a fun, it is a fun derby though and last mm-hmm. season if you remember the game at the the farmer at, at the american express stadium was mental brighton absolutely battered palace like wiped the floor with them and somehow palace won the game Absolutely wiped the floor with them, couldn't take the chances. Um you've gone through the injuries there and <sighs> I think well, that will depend if,
1: if Basuma's fit or not It's probably the main question, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: definitely. Basuma's massive for them midf- in midfield. Especially with Mwepu yeah. major doubt as well, because you know, if Basuma was out, you'd expect him to come in. If both of them are out, Brighton could be in a little bit of trouble in midfield. Lauder and Lolana. Yeah, and Motor's good. Lalana's washed completely. Um Palace will be close to full strength. Obviously, Ezzy's the one who's out there. Um I'm gonna go another draw. I think it's gonna be a really good game. This'll be the first time Brighton have played Palace where both sides are managed by Progressive managers in a long time. Like be fair, Brighton to be fair, that's few, the same.
1: That's the same for every Premier League. For team. Every club. And, and Crystal <laughs>
0: Palace. Yeah, every club in Crystal Palace. So I think this is going to be a fun one. I'm going to go 2 2 again. I, I think this will be a fun game. And I think without Webster, Brighton don't look nearly as strong defensively. Mm. Obviously, Bassoom is a massive blow in midfield as he's a huge blow for, for uh, Palace, but he, they've known he's going to be out for ages anyway. And he's been out since the end of last season. So it's not like they've you know, they been playing a certain way this season and then he drops out. Vieira has worked without him thus far. So I will say 2-2. I think this will be... I think it's going to be a really fun one. And like I said, I think it's going to be a really fun weekend. It starts off... The, the two games, the twelve thirty games on... Saturday are both good games. Um, Chelsea City, obviously huge game. United-Villa should be a decent game. Villa are a good team. Um, so that will be a decent When You've got Leeds-West Ham as your three o'clock. Brentford-Liverpool will be a good game in the late kickoff. Wouldn't be overly keen on the early kickoff game on Sunday, uh, said Hampton Wolves. That one could be a bit of a dour affair. But then you've got that North London derby, you've got that game Monday night that I think is going to be really, really good. Um, Palace at home, Selhurst Park is always... It is an incredible atmosphere. They generate so much noise in that stadium. And because it's an old stadium, like, it shakes. So when they're really on song, when that crowd really starts to go, you can feel the stand give a little bit of sway beneath you and it's it's a really enjoyable experience so I'll go 2-2 two, two. I think Brighton are the better team but Palace being at home and Brighton having some key injuries I think 2-2 two, two in that one and I think it's a fun weekend with no real excuse for you not to watch five games City-Chelsea, Leeds-West Ham Brentford-Liverpool and then the Sunday game Arsenal-Tottenham and the Monday night game There's no excuse not to watch five games at least this weekend. So get after it, folks. We will leave it there for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for your support. Do tell your friends. Thank you to Mr. Drinkle. Uh, Shout out to the Tandon family and the Couser family. Uh, We're all with you, folks. And uh, see you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye.
1: Network.